0: Before the children's sermon, pop quiz for everyone. Pop quiz. Didn't you love pop quizzes in school? But here's a pop quiz. So pen, paper, get ready to write. I'll wait. At least pretend you're trying to get something to write, and then I'll think you're all participating. You have the pew blockers. I can't really tell if you're going to be writing, but... Not out loud... Write it down. Who are you? Who are you? I'd like you to write down your answer to that question. Give you a couple minutes. Who are you? It's a really important pop quiz because if you don't have many answers to that question written down, you're a target for the enemy. Anybody need more time? All right, nice and loud, somebody give me one thing that you wrote down. Who are you? Child of God. Child of God. Redeemed. Redeemed. Equipped. Apart from I am nothing apart from Christ. Ooh, that was deep. Somebody else. Father. I am a father. Twice. <laughs> heir. Joint, heir. Joint heir with Christ. Fantastic. Here's some of the things that I put. I'll probably repeat a couple you just said. I am his divine masterpiece. Redeemed, we heard, forgiven, blessed, reconciled, beloved child, new creation, sealed with the Holy Spirit, holy, created for good works, purchased, adopted, chosen, at peace with God. That's who you are. So today, this afternoon, this week, when the enemy tells you something else, Remind them who you are. In Christ, you're sealed and protected. Oh, children's sermon. Kids, I need you to stand up. Adults, if you want to play, you'll have to stand up too. There's a brave one, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Too brave. Okay. Even a brave adult back there. Um, I want you to know that I am a world-class Simon Says game player. I have rarely lost. Any other adults want to play? No? Okay. We'll go really slow on the first one. Simon Says... Stretch your arms out from the side. Simon says, put your arms down. Just checking. Simon says, put your hands on your head. Simon says, put your hands on your nose. Hands on your head. Oh, somebody who ever did that is out. <laughs> okay. Simon says, blow your nose. No, 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 do that. i kid kidding. Simon says, put your hands on your head. Hands on your shoulders. Oh, you're out. Still on the head. Here we go. Simon says, put your hands on your head. Simon says, put your hands on your shoulders. Simon says, put your hands on your hips. Simon says, put your hands on your shoulders. Put your hands on your hips. Mm. Put your hands up. Oh, you're out. You did really well. Two people to go. They're wearing red sweaters. I think that's the key. Simon says, take a deep breath and hold it. You two win. We're going to come back to that in uh, part two of this children's sermon. Hopefully it'll make sense. This morning, we start a new section in our continuing study of the book of James. Not only a new section, a new chapter. And as we do, no surprise, we're only going to look at the first verse, James chapter 3, verse 1. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, my sisters, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We who teach will be judged more strictly. I want to encourage you to write out that verse as your happy verse for the week verse. I want you to put that verse on your fridge or somewhere that you see it often. I want you to dwell on, on that verse. That should just encourage you and build you up. To Every time you walk by it, those who teach will be judged more strictly. Now, the theme, or the fundamental point from James in our last two messages, in case you're visiting with us today, from James chapter 2, verses 14 to 26, was basically this. What you do, not what you say, gives evidence of a living faith. The theme or fundamental point of James in those previous two messages, what you do, not what you say, gives evidence to living faith. Brennan Manning gave his quote last week from his book, The Signature of Jesus, said it this way, if you really want to know what a man or woman believes, don't listen to what they say, watch what they do. And again, that quote really summarizes the last two messages when we looked at Dead faith and living faith. As we come to chapter 3, it's almost as if James stops and says, but let me clarify something. Be sure not to take the fact that your actions do speak louder than words to mean that words don't matter. Because they do. And that is the theme of chapter 2. Excuse me, chapter 3. Chapter 2, it's not what you say, it's what you do. Chapter 3, but what you say matters. For example, verse 6 of chapter 3. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of their, of their life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. James likens the tongue to a fire that has such power to spread either what's true and good and healing and healthy, or it has the power to spread what is hurtful and destructive. The tongue has the power to build or destroy. It has the power to produce life or produce death. And nowhere does that matter more than when you teach. Therefore, verse 1, not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, my sisters, because you know that those who teach will be judged more strictly. By the way, we need a few more teachers. And I'm not kidding. And you may think that after hearing this, where we're at right now, that, wow, who who would want to be one? My prayer is, by the end of this, every one of you. Every one of you. I titled this message a little facetiously, Calling All Teachers. Facetiously because... Who would come and respond to a call to be a teacher when you hear a warning on face value like that? Please don't sign me up. But the truth is there is a tremendous amount of responsibility tied up in the fact that people might indeed think about it, everybody in the room, huge responsibility. The the truth is there might be some people who pay attention to what you say. And actually do what you tell them to do. They might look at your example and follow it. And in that, you will direct their lives. You will impact the passions of their spirit. So everyone in the room needs to heed this warning. And the warning is this from James. Do not rush to teach Do not be in a hurry to assume a place of influence in someone's life. Let me ask you a question as we begin to kind of wade into this. Who would rush in to teach? Who would seek that out? Who would want to be, yeah, let me do it. Who would be that kind of person to hurry in, assume assume the responsibility or place of influence in other people's lives? Well, to answer that, we need a little bit of background as far as who James is writing to in the culture that he's writing to. In James' day, teachers, especially rabbis, were given great respect. Sadly, I think the respect of teachers has taken a major hit in our culture today. In fact, at this time in history, it was taught... That it was right to give greater respect and greater honor to a rabbi than to your parents. Not surprisingly, rabbis wrote that. The obvious result of that kind of reverence in a culture toward this particular occupation is that people would aspire to be a teacher Uh, in a broader sense A place of influence in the lives of others because there were perks that came with it. You were recognized. You were esteemed. It was was not necessarily because God called you into it. You just wanted to be noticed, to have power over others. This is very prevalent in Jesus' teachings. Matthew 23, verse 26. Jesus confronts this very kind of thing. He refers to people who love to sit at the place of honor at banquets, the chief seats in the synagogue, people who love to receive the respect and greetings in the marketplace, while well, people call them rabbi. That's the sociological aspects of what's going in to the fact that some people would rush into desire to be teachers, instructors. With that kind of mentality, you have Paul saying things like this in 1 Timothy 1.7. They want to be teachers of the law, but they do not know what they're talking about or what they so confidently affirm. And that's a really dangerous problem. And so to all of them and to all of us, James says, not many of you should rush into this. Because those who teach and influence will be judged more strictly. Now here's the ultimate question in regards to all this. Why a stricter judgment? Why a greater measure of responsibility for men and women who are in a position of influence? And the answer, I think, is obvious. Maybe you're way ahead of me on this. It's simply wrapped up in the context of what it means to be a teacher. For whatever else teaching entails, a teacher, by definition, is a shaper of others' lives. A shaper of the hearts and minds of boys and girls and teens and men and women. A teacher infects. A teacher directs. A teacher has, keyword influence. With that definition in mind, Let that broaden your thinking of maybe your traditional picture of what a teacher sitting behind a desk in a classroom or standing behind a lectern like this or writing on a whiteboard or popping away on their laptop and it's coming up on the screen. It goes way beyond that. It includes small group leaders, mentors, coaches, Awana leaders, on and on the list goes. A teacher is a dad. A teacher is a mom. A teacher is a big brother or sister dealing with a little brother or sister. A teacher is a person who has influence on some level on others. And that means that you're responsible for more people than just you if you're influencing others. Because whatever you're Wherever you're going, if you're an influencer, you're bringing somebody else with you. And the bringing someone else with you is what makes the heat go up. Consider this. If you choose to to live your life void of the life of God, if you chose to live your life void of the power of God and the light of God, that is tragic. However, if you begin to use your intellect and use your energy and resources and talents in your life to influence other people to also turn away from God, the life of God, the light of God, the truth of God, the heat in your life gets turned up. There's a sense of accountability on the lives of men and women who bring people with them. It wouldn't be a bad time to pause for a moment, and if no one's already come to your mind, you should probably ask the Holy Spirit to help you think of and write down a list, who are the people that you're influencing right now? For some of you, it's a long list. I hope you're beginning to understand and I hope that you're beginning to let in the fact that James chapter 3 verse 1 goes way beyond our traditional picture of a teacher in a school or a church setting. What dawns on me is this. While James is here giving a warning that we shouldn't all be teachers, that we shouldn't all all become shapers and influencers, the fact of the matter is this that for most of the people in this room, it's too late. For most of the people in this room, I can hear my voice right now. This warning comes too late to you. You know why? Because you already are an influencer in other people's lives. And so this word applies to you. You already are an influencer. It's too late for you to say, no, 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 I don't want to. You already are. What we need to do, therefore, as men and women of living faith, is to accept the fact, yes, I do have influence on other people. Somewhere, At some level. And to accept the responsibility in humility and let it sober you a little bit. We need to embrace the fact that, you know what? I'm going to have to accept the fact that what I say and what I do has the power to touch and influence the heart of other people. And what I do has the power to not only touch them, but to affect the direction of their lives, to steer a course of their life. It has the impact to save somebody's soul. Not me, Pastor. (laughs) Yeah. You. And you know what? The warning is powerful. It can even... Make you want to back off a little bit. But the fact of the matter is, you're already there. You're already an influencer. You're already influencing somebody. Could be your little brother and sister. And what you say and what you do, they're watching, they're listening. So, back to the children's sermon. Simple game, Simon says. But you could change the name to your own. You need to recognize the influence you have in your family, in your house, when you're at school. People are watching you. People in your household will be impacted, are impacted, by what you do and what you say all the time. I believe that God's word to me and that I would deliver to you in the face of this warning is this. Do not, from this warning in James 3.1, do not shrink back. Do not pull back. Rather, into this warning By the power of God in you, by the Spirit of God in you, I would call you to stand up and lean into this. And humbly and soberly accept the responsibility of it. Accept the fact that you are an, an influencer somewhere and consider very profoundly and deeply how and where you are pulling people with you. Our vision statement as a church is that we would have a, we have a desire to be a catalyst of holistic transformation locally and globally. That's who we desire to be. You and I cannot be a catalyst of transformation without influencing people. Our purpose statement that we would live in authentic community. Hey No masks. No hiding. And I just want you to help you out for those of you who think, oh, nobody knows this. Yeah, we do. To live in community and in that community to allow Jesus through the word and by his spirit to transform us and live through us so that Others' lives can be transformed that we can continue to grow into Christ's likeness and serve in his purposes, his power, while developing people and sending them. We can't do any of that unless you influence people. Amen? I don't know a person in this room that that doesn't apply to. I want to tell you, and please understand, there are 11, 13, 15-year-old boys and girls who influence others, right? There are people, perhaps it's younger brother or sister, maybe it's a childhood friend, it's somebody in this church, it's somebody in your neighborhood... may even be a peer, they look up to you, they respect you, they watch, they want to be like you. And when somebody looks up to you, it is a big responsibility. Because they just might listen to what you say. And they just might do what they see you doing. Calling all teachers, calling all influencers, calling all shapers and directors of the hearts of men and women, teens and boys and girls, hear the warning. Not all of you should become teachers for the stricter judgment comes with it, but let that warning humble and sober you because men and women, teens, young people of a living faith, don't let that warning cause you to pull back. People of a living faith, I would desire, I would pray that it would stir something in you. I would hope that it bothers you a little bit, even maybe concerns you a little bit, but most of all, I hope that it calls you. Call you to make a difference in other people's lives. Let it call you up and out as a voice. As an influencer of people who live and speak about truth and hope and healing. In the midst of a culture that needs all of those things. Desperately needs to hear a message of hope, healing, and life. So men and women of living faith, those of you who who know and have experienced the truth of the light and the life of God, to you I say this. Do not, from this warning, shrink back. Instead, into this warning, stand up and lean in. Accept the mantle, fathers. Accept the responsibility, moms, coaches, junior, senior, high teachers, people who work with children in ministry, older kids who influence younger ones, small group leaders, to every one of you I say, don't shrink back, rather stand up and lean into this calling to be an influencer for the kingdom of God. What do you do with a message like that? Well, I'll give you four things. Application. Four things that I trust will help you to lean into this calling of being an influencer. Number one, remember, first of all, that you're not that smart. What do you mean? First you're telling us to lean into it. Now you're saying I don't have what it takes? Here's a scary thing. It was half a lifetime ago. I was 29 years old. We had our first child and started on staff in our first church. And I remember very clearly thinking, I don't have a clue. I appreciated Verlin's faith. If you were listening to his prayer for me, he said that, that he'd be normal. But I want to tell you something. And for those of you who have great intellectual capacity and skills and abilities, this is really important for you. You're not smart enough. Our natural talents can often get in the way of what God wants to do in and through us. That's true, true. Because when I begin to rely on my own stuff, then I'm on my own. And you can't touch the kingdom realm with that. Admitting that in this calling to influence people that you don't have a clue, not a bad place to be actually. Humbly, sober, Lord, I don't have, an, I don't have any idea. I don't know what to do, so what do you do? Well... James 1:5, if anyone lacks wisdom, he should ask. Who gives it generously? So, you find wisdom by asking God. You find wisdom by being in the Word. You just need to remember you're not smart enough to influence people's lives the way God wants you to influence them. Number two, Remember that you're not strong enough. The only way I know that I could stand up and lean into this responsibility, especially if I really understand and feel the weight of this responsibility, whether you're a father, a mother, teacher, pastor, coach, as an influencer, if you're really going to allow yourself to feel the weight of this, you will understand you are not strong enough to carry it. Oh, yeah, I can do an awana group Psh. The only way that I know how to successfully stand up straight and lean into this is by falling flat on my face before God and praying, God, you have given me this life or these lives." that I'm responsible for. I don't know how to do this. This is beyond a lesson plan. This is beyond what somebody taught me. I have this person that I'm discipling or counseling. I have this small group that I'm leading. I have this class that I'm teaching. There's this person that looks up to me and, Father, I don't know how to do this. So please, please fill me with your spirit strengthen me, empower me by your spirit because I am not strong enough to do this on my own. And any of you who think you are, are in a heap of trouble. And so are the people that you're influencing. You're not smart enough, you're not strong enough. Number three, you're not great enough. need to remember you're not great enough. And when you remember that, it'll help you not look down at anybody else. Not think too highly of yourself. Like you're somehow over this person that you're influencing. Aren't they glad to have me in their life? The Apostle Paul put it this way, Philippians 3, verses 12 through 14. Listen, guys, you haven't arrived I'm not perfect. I'm not even close. But here's what I'm doing. I'm pressing toward the upward call of God in Christ. I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus has taken hold of me. I have committed my life to fully embracing that which has embraced me. And if I can influence you to pursue that, then that was enough. You want to know who the best teachers are? People who are learners. They're not relying on what they've done in the past. They're not relying on regurgitating some old curriculum. They're doing life. And God's continuing to teach them. Most powerful influencers in a kingdom sense are people who themselves are being influenced by the life and power of God. Number four. Remember it's not that hard. I know that sounds kind of like a contradiction, but I'm trying to make a point. Being a teacher or an influencer of any kind implies that you are imparting something, that you're giving something away, some kind of knowledge, some kind of skill. Ask yourself this question. What is it that people need to know? What is it that people need to know? Ask that question As a mother, as a father, what does my kid need to know? Be a coach. What do the members of this team need to know? No, no, beyond the X's and O's and the plays that they need to learn how to run. What do they need to know to run the race of life so that they can finish the race well? That's the question. What do the people in my life who I'm influencing, what do they need to know to run the race of life so that they can finish the race well? I would love to pause and have you write down answers for that. Not a whole long list of answers. What's one thing doesn't have to be the most important thing. What's, what's one thing that you need to pass on? Because with a whole list that would come across in this room, all of them good and profound, at an entry level, something that everybody needs to know is you need to love people. And you need to let them know that God loves them. Boil down the great commandment. Love God, love people. What's really important though? You got to know God loves you. If one thing that you could give away to every person in your life that you influence was that they knew that God loved them that wouldn't be too bad. I'd say you did pretty well. So love people. Do people that you influence, do they know that you love them? Do the people that are in your life that you influence, do they know that you love them? And then point them to God. Because God loves them too. The warning is clear. And it needs to sober you. Don't all become teachers because it comes with a stricter judgment. The problem is, pretty much everyone in the room, too late. You're already an influencer on one level or another. So my call to you is to call you out. To not shrink back. But rather to stand up and lean into God's calling on you to be an influencer. We have a Sunday school class that needs somebody to step into. We have a helper in that class. Third, fourth, fifth grade, am I right? Something like that? Second, Second the fourth. We've reached out to a number of people. You know what? If God's speaking to your heart, you don't even have to know how to teach. If God's calling you to do it, we'll have somebody with you to help you learn how do you use this curriculum? How do you connect with these kids? How do you do it? You watch somebody... And then start doing it. We'll coach you up. Lead a small group. Hang out with teenagers. Make a difference for the kingdom of God's sake. For God's sake. For their sake. And as you do, remember you're not that smart. So you need the Word. You need to ask for God's wisdom. And you're not that strong, so you need the Spirit of God. Ask Him to fill you and empower you. And you're not that great, so you always need to keep learning and growing yourself. And remember, it's not that hard. You just need to love people to the point where they know you love them and point them to God who loves them too. Amen? Amen? Simon says stand up. Chuck, I'm going to ask you to come and close this in prayer.